friends and followers. This is Carolyn, the Northwoods Witch. Welcome to my April podcast. Okay, friends, I have to share with you my my background and interest in tarot is deeply intuitive. I've always uh, I've always felt that my connection to the cards and how I work with them and how I understand their symbolism um, is more important than where they come from or what their history actually is. I'm that kind of a pagan. Um, but when a longtime listener asked for more tarot on this podcast, I decided I'd do a bit of research into the history of the cards in order to share it with you all. <laughs> Whew. So... I am sharing here the briefest of overviews. If you are interested in tarot scholarship, I've put a number of useful links in the show notes to get you started, and I wish you much joy in the beautiful rabbit hole that is the history of tarot cards. And on that note, I want to honor and thank the dedicated tarot historians and scholars who sifted through history for these nuggets and painstakingly uncovered um, these narratives and the origins and uses of these mythical cards. It's because of them, um, really, that it turns out that we actually know quite a bit about tarot's history. Current evidence tells us that tarot originated in northern Italy around 1430 as a card game. The earliest tarot cards that we have in existence are these lavishly hand-painted collector's items um, from a deck that was commissioned by an Italian noble family. Now, playing cards, uh, similar to the common decks that we have today, arrived in Europe from nearby Arab civilizations in like 1375, and versions of those cards got more and more popular, and when the printing presses arrived, they seized on that trend and made decks of playing cards available to the population at large. So what distinguishes the tarot deck from these other cards is the addition of 22 additional cards called trumps uh, beyond the four suits. And those 22 cards showed archetypal images of the people and concepts that defined the structure of medieval culture. So like the Pope, the emperor, the devil, etc. These trump cards began to appear 50 to 70 years after the original playing card decks, and they were used to play a game that was a lot like bridge, which, I found out, they still play in Europe. So if you go to France, you can play tarot cards, um, the playing card game. Very cool. When modern scholars first started research into tarot's history, their findings indicated that basically for the first 350 years of tarot cards, they were almost entirely known um, for playing games and not for divination. And that was the scholarly stance for many years. Tarot's origins were completely as a playing game, no divination whatsoever, no evidence for it. However, tarot historians continue to unearth new sources, and in the past decade, they've been able to conclude that divination with cards, um, often called cartomancy, does in fact go back to at least the 16th century and probably earlier. Um, but tarot scholar Mary Kay Greer reminds us that it wasn't until a few men deemed the art worth mentioning and the decks or books worth writing that the art was really acknowledged. So those men she spoke of 
for French occultists writing in the 1780s. They had sort of rediscovered tarot cards and looked at them with new eyes and seen the mystic origins or what they imagined the mystic origins of these intricate, beautiful pictures must be of these trump cards. And so they published books about tarot and about fortune telling um, and the very first deck of tarot cards that was intended for divinatory purposes as opposed to playing card purposes. But there's no doubt that following the 1780s, occult interest in the tarot blossomed. It became so much more popular. Um, and at that point, tarot really became the integral part of occult philosophy that we know it as today. Now, finally, there were two members of the Order of the Golden Dawn, which was a, a significant occult order back in the 20th century. There were two members that had a significant influence on the development of modern tarot, A.E. Waite and Pamela Coleman Smith. A.E. Waite published his own tarot deck in 1909, and he commissioned his uh, fellow order member, Smith, to illustrate it. The major arcana of this deck are rich with occult symbolism drawn from the teachings of the Golden Dawn. But the most innovative aspect of the deck is the minor arcana, because for the first time, the minor arcana are illustrated to show various scenes that suggest stories and feature people, rather than just the basic numbers and suit symbols of the playing cards. So, um, because for a long time, the Waite-Smith deck, which has also been called the Rider-Waite deck um, in the past because of the publisher, but now we moved on to calling it the Waite-Smith deck to acknowledge um, the author and the artist of the deck. So for a long time, the Waite-Smith deck was the only deck that was really accessible to folks in the U.S., so it became familiar to whole generations of tarot readers. And because of that, um, it also has served as the template for many, if not most, of the myriad decks that are now available. And there's one more story I want to share about the Waite-Smith deck and how it came to us. In 1863, um, a publisher and journalist named Robert Chambers, a Scottish, Scottish guy named Robert Chambers, um, published this supplement article on English cartomancy that he called The Folklore of Playing Cards. And in it, he lists card meanings that he was taught as a child when he became ill overseas and was cared for by a soldier's wife. He tells a story like this. The English system is used in all British settlements over the globe and has no doubt been carried thither by soldiers' wives, who, as is well known to the initiated, have ever been considered peculiarly skillful practitioners of the art. Indeed, it is to a soldier's wife that this present exposition of the art is to be attributed. Many years ago, the writer, then a puny but not very young child, was left for many months in charge of a private soldier's wife at an outstation in a distant land. She was too ignorant to teach her charge to read, yet she taught him the only accomplishment she possessed, the art of cutting cards, as she termed it, the word cartomancy in all probability she had never heard. Um, the article is actually a bit longer um, and includes the list that he, that he received from ostensibly from the soldier's wife when he was a child. It also says some very interesting things um, about his understanding of the role of fortune tellers and seeresses in society. Uh, 
Anyway, interesting. Check it out in the show notes. Um, so Chambers' meanings that he wrote down from this encounter in his childhood were used by A.E. Waite when he wrote his compendium on fortune-telling, and more significantly for our purposes, they appear almost whole as the supplemental meanings for the minor arcana that Waite published in 1910. And that's how we got the tarot decks that we know and love today. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed this academic adventure with me. I really did. Um, it was more of a journey than I expected, and I learned more than I thought I would, and I hope I've laid it all out for you in a succinct and interesting fashion. So it was a good time. Let me know if there's another witchy topic you'd like to hear more about. And until next time, my friends, my thanks and my love. Mm-hmm.